Every day I'm hustling, 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 every day I'm every day I'm every day I'm hustling, every day I'm hustling. Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Hustle Points Podcast. I'm your representative, Rudy St. Clair. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at NBA underscore Rudy, where you can tell me I don't know basketball, and also Instagram at HustlePointsPod, where you can find a new and updated profile picture, as well as empty promises for podcast highlights. But today we're going to have a different type of podcast, a more serious topic involving both the association as well as diehard fans of the association, a conflict between the two. See, what we're covering today is... We're going to be covering testimonials from a few NBA YouTube creators about their relationships with the network they're under. Now, if you don't know, a network on YouTube is a type of company that offers services to creators in exchange for a part of their ad revenue generated by their content. And we'll begin with Zach over at SDC. He explains how he was approached early on in his YouTube career and offered to be partnered with the official network of the NBA. So for the past few years i've been with a network called nba playmakers they approached me pretty much when i first started off the channel talking about the nba and it sounded really great basically i was going to be given permission to use nba footage in my videos and also have the opportunity to go out to special events get my videos on the nba's channel things things of that nature the things he's talking about include what appear to me as both regular perks, which a good network should provide, like a subscription to creative software licenses, a royalty-free music library, and stock video footage, plus social media management tools. Things which have value. Not only that, but also NBA Playmakers, which is actually a branch of a much larger online content networking company called Broadband TV, they partner with the NBA to offer, quote, this is all directly from the NBA Playmakers website, Tickets to NBA games and events. Opportunity to create original programs with real player appearances. Use of NBA production facilities. Having your content featured on select NBA TV studio shows. Behind-the-scenes access to shows and programming, including the starters and game time. You can be a guest star on NBA outlets and have early access to NBA campaigns and viral videos to build original content around. You can also get membership in NBA fan surveys, early access to on-court apparel and new uniform designs, and even the chances to meet the people behind the new technology and new looks, like the latest sponsor designs from brand partners. You also get discounts from electronics companies which sponsor the league, as well as early access to the EA and 2K games, as well as the opportunity to interview game designers and even have input on games Easter eggs. Again, this is all quoting directly from the website. You also get a tailored manager to help you grow to the channel. But, this is a big but, all of these benefits are tagged with the eligibility will vary line on the website. So, not everybody gets these benefits. What does appear to be universal under the NBA Playmakers Network includes revenue boosters, ad sales, and brand integrations, as well as the technology things I already mentioned, like software subscriptions, and Also, you get access to the NBA library, which is described as access to official NBA footage and imagery. This also includes access to exclusive NBA footage and videos. Like Zach was talking about, this is one of the main selling points, but more on that later. 
Zach goes on to say that while he doesn't exactly regret signing with this network, he does view it as a learning experience. But upon signing to Playmakers, things began to sour. So it all started when I was about to receive one of my first paychecks from YouTube. You know, I, I was excited at the time. I was dirt broke and I wasn't expecting a lot from YouTube. Granted, we get to see as creators how much we're going to earn on the YouTube dashboard. And then being with a network, they're going to take a percentage of that, right? So I had it all calculated out. I knew what I was going to get. And to me at the time, it was a lot of money because once again, I was dirt broke. Couple hundred dollars, I was ecstatic, right? Payday comes, you get like 50. Come to find out that not only was the network going to be taking a cut, but what wasn't made clear to any NBA playmaker with a network was that the NBA was also taking a cut. And when I say a cut, I mean a cut, like a big, 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 big cut. Zach goes on to describe how the cut of the AdSense revenue going back to the network would diminish in proportion to his viewership over time, saying there's a tiered system in place. This is likely where they also define the eligibility of who gets the more exclusive benefits that Playmakers has to offer, which I named off for you earlier. So to combat this, like many other YouTubers, Zach sought out sponsorships, which, ordinarily, if you're a totally independent creator who's not part of a network, is fair game. But soon, Zach would get some bad news. Let's now jump back to the phone call that I received yesterday, and this is a straw that broke the camel's back for me because... One of the things that I tried to do to combat the NBA taking a majority of my revenue is I go out and get sponsorship. Get a phone call yesterday. Guess what? The NBA no longer wants the creators to take sponsorships. They don't want creators, not even take sponsorships, they don't want creators to turn any revenue outside of the revenue that they so graciously give us from the videos that we make on YouTube. That last part to me seems like a bold claim and, in my always humble opinion, sounds like it's one part an overly cautious word of advice, so to keep Zach in line with what the network would be doing in their ideal sense, and another part addressing an element of the business model which they conduct. See... Playmakers, with no eligibility will vary tag, offers revenue boosters, ad sales, and brand integrations. Playmakers has no problem with integrated ads or the creators making money. They just want to be the middleman for the ad and streamline the connection between the advertiser and the content creator. They even partner with Spreadshirt so creators don't have to slash get to decide where to sell their merch, and they probably don't want their creators using competing services of the ones which they partner with. So, maybe, maybe who was ever representing Playmakers as an individual didn't exactly handle Zach's situation all that well, as it yielded a very public and emotional response. However, there does appear to be at least some acceptable rationale for this, but not so much for this next detail Zach talks about in the video. But not even that was the 100% tipping point here. See, what got really, 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 really got to me was the fact that after that, they said that I was in violation of my contract or pretty much 
stating my opinion on games, players, and the NBA itself in my videos. And then they forced me to take down some of my videos because they didn't like the opinion that I was stating in my videos. They're trying to take away the freedom of speech when it comes to the NBA. They said in videos that I use footage in, I'm not allowed to give any negative viewpoints on the NBA, its players, the teams, coaches, anyone associated with the association. How am I going to make videos about the NBA when I can't give my real opinion on the NBA? He says they then had him take down some videos because of the opinions he had in them. And it told Zach. And they're also not going to be inviting me to any of their fancy events that they hold. It's crazy. Like, I don't know who in their right mind would agree to these terms. You're basically doing work for free, and the work you're doing is 100% censored by the NBA. Now, in 2016, when NBA playmakers first came into existence, media literate people could sniff out this arrangement from a distance. Even The Verge describes the partnership as follows. To put it another way, it's not like this is the bane of every young writer's career. The gig you take pays an exposure. So is this a tragedy of media literacy? of capitalists controlling free speech, or just a big misunderstanding. Since Zach's video, other creators under the Playmaker Network have spoken up about their issues with the network. Dom2K made a video airing his grievances. His story starts out similarly to how Zach SDCs did. So one day in 2016, very shortly after most of you found me through the LeBron video, I got an email from NBA Playmakers. In my mind, that was my big break. I post NBA videos and I'm about to get partnered with the NBA's network. It can't get better than that, right? Dom explains the basic arrangement of a network creator partnership and emphasizes how important and useful he feels the library of NBA footage they're offering could be to him. But there was a catch. So straight to it. The most important thing they offered me was a quote-unquote library of NBA footage I could use in my videos. They said that we would split a percentage of the ad revenue and in exchange I have the rights to use their footage, that's the gist of this whole thing. They advertised that library to be pretty comprehensive and the first thing I specifically asked them was how I could use footage that wasn't in the library. Meaning if I wanted to make a video about the 70s how do I get that footage? They told me I could request any additional footage I needed so that sounds like a sweet deal right? I was also told it would constantly be added to so that created the impression that this was some massive vault of NBA footage I'd have access to. Well, let me tell you a story about the greatest playoff series of all time part 3. Out of any set of videos I've done, that series is by far the most strenuous and time consuming. Well, look at your screen real quick just in case you've looked away. He goes on to show a screen capture of his YouTube creator studio where creators can view all of their statistics regarding their channels, including the copyright status of each video. In this clip, basically every single one of Dom's recent videos has been manually claimed by his network, meaning that not just part of the money, like what the partnership would ideally have, not just some of the money is shared, but instead, all of the money which the video produces through AdSense now goes straight to the network. That's what happened to those videos along with an overwhelming majority of the videos I made in 2018. The footage wasn't in the library and I get that so legally they had a right to claim it. And he's right about that. 
The Playmakers Network only offers a limited library of NBA footage, not a universal hall pass for all NBA footage. So, if the footage that a creator desires isn't in the library, then it's by request. And as Dom describes later on in his video, the library is actually mostly top 10s and game recaps. Another creator, B-Souls, actually revealed that the library only goes back roughly one calendar year. So any sort of historical footage is basically off the table or only approved by request. So what happens when you do request footage as a creator under the Playmaker Network? What I want to point to your attention right now is the fact that a little over a month ago, I decided to play by their rules. Even though I didn't really know how to tell them I needed them to send me footage for an entire playoff series, I asked my contact within the network for footage from that series so I could at least be compensated for my work this time. This was just going to be as simple as they said it was two years ago, right? This was the response I got after asking for the footage. The manager needs two pieces of information. One, a detailed description of what you plan on using the footage for and two, the deadline date you need the footage by, and then three, he has also communicated, quote, I will also need to approve this video prior to it going public, so please let the partner know not to publish it until it has been approved. The network, Playmakers, again, operated by Broadband TV, wanted to make sure that the video aligned with the values of the brand they work with, in this case, the NBA. So, when a YouTuber requests footage, they clear the idea first, then send whatever raw footage of what they requested. When B-Souls requested footage, they told him an idea of his was too controversial, so they wouldn't send him the footage. B-Souls in the aforementioned video also revealed that the subject of the video was the hypothetical aftermath of Lynn Bias surviving to play basketball instead of tragically dying after being drafted first overall. The video transitions to talking about how it would affect the creation of major super teams of the last 10 years, and according to B-Souls, he was told that the concept of super teams is too sensitive of a topic for them to support. But unlike SDC, Dom actually describes a period of a positive relationship with playmakers. Alright, well let's talk about that actually, because this inconsistency has never been explained to me no matter how much I asked them about it. From the time that I started this channel to about a year ago, I wasn't having very many copyright issues. A couple of knocks here, a couple of knocks there, but I wasn't worried about it because my contact told me that the NBA chooses to whitelist certain people. Basically that means, regardless of the rules about the library, if you're whitelisted, the NBA won't mess with you. But then it takes a left turn. I requested that whitelist privilege because he said he may be able to get me in on it, and although it was never confirmed, I went through about 8 months of 2017 with zero problems, until one day, they just randomly decided to start copywriting damn near everything I had made. Oh wait, and it gets worse, these are manual claims. This wasn't happening by YouTube's content ID system. Somebody from my own network that I'm partnered with is sitting down clicking a button, manually claiming these videos and all the money they make. Dom goes on to share his troubles with his peers, only to find no trend in consistency as to who gets told about a whitelist, sponsors, and copyright. He also sheds some light on Zach's situation, using it as a key example of inconsistency. And for Dom, this inconsistency equals selective censorship and while that may be what this is if that's what's happening then who is making the decisions 
the administrative evil of discretion needs to be accounted for. Playmakers, while partnered with the NBA, are not the NBA themselves. They're close to each other. I mean, the NBA's website has a post on the PR section talking about what they want to accomplish with this partnership when it first came into fruition back in 2016. And one of the standout virtues of this post was that they would like to empower creators. Now, this is where I really begin the editorial portion of this episode. I have three main points. One, it's more than possible that this perceived inconsistency is just a slow rollout or something similar. Broadband TV is the third largest video property in the world behind Google and Facebook, and for that reason, I don't believe they can exactly instantly check and enforce each policy perfectly across all of their creators. There's a lot of room for discretion here, whether it be an issue of accounting for individual creators per their tailored managers, maybe that's the system they have in place, is using those direct connections to have as much discretion as they see fit and that is where their job performance is evaluated, or something similar. You just never know how the inner workings of these companies actually works. There's a lot of room for discretion here. Second, because of this, while they may be by extension an agent of the NBA, how they use that agency is probably up to the playmakers themselves, broadband TV. We don't need to call Adam Silver and complain about this, per se. There is many decisions being made in this machine that we can't just pick the biggest target and start throwing stones. Now, my third point is a bit longer, and it's that while the NBA values its history, I personally believe that NBA discourse, you know, NBA conversation, might be better for the league than keeping some sort of concrete singular history and valuing that narrative higher than the discourse. I don't think that's what needs to happen, because differing opinions equals conversation, and conversation drives attention. And if you didn't know, attention equals money. Again, history is great. I love history, but historiography is where it truly becomes fascinating. The history of histories. How many kids hated history class growing up just because they didn't like memorizing monotonous facts and dates and names, which they don't really connect to any greater story or any difference of opinion between storytellers. That's That argumentative factor is what makes history very interesting. Back before I dropped out of college, I took a historiography class, and day one was answering the question, or rather, debating the question, is history true? Now, while I understand it's not exactly a comforting question to ask, it is a question worthy of investigation and really informs the perspective of the historiographical researcher where they go and deep dive different people's interpretations of the same thing and find the commonalities amongst them all and deem that the closest thing to historical truth that we have. These sort of historical conversations which historians have are what drives knowledge. It's what actually ends up in the textbooks. And so part of the beauty in stories is who's telling it and their perspectives. Whether you're a historian or a YouTuber or just someone on Twitter yelling at me about how little I know about basketball. It's all about conversation. And censorship of this nature does nothing 
to promote conversation. TNT halftime shows are at their best when Chuck Ernie and Shaq and Kenny are all arguing about something, when they're having a conversation. Nobody enjoys watching four dudes smile and nod and agree all the time. It's not very entertaining television. Mainstream sports networks usually have a couple of uniquely talented writers and TV personalities who specialize in having an opposing view, and um, there is a big four, which I'm sure almost all of you could name off if you thought about it even just a little bit. I won't say any names here. But the NBA, for many years now, has been wanting to project a family-friendly brand. In fact, that's what Zach opened his video with, was talking about what the NBA told him, expressing their values of being a family-friendly brand. The NBA is a global organization geared for all ages. And as an NBA Playmaker partner, you're representing not only yourself, but also your corner of the brand community. Ever since the Jordan era was ushered in during the 90s, you know, post-Magic and Bird, the NBA went all in on being a family brand, and they've succeeded. The Malice in the Palace established that more than anything else in NBA history, and see, that is all my historical opinion. Things like that drive conversation, drive attention to the league. And I understand that not all press is good press in the eyes of the league, and maybe that's just the vague virtue that the NBA expressed to the Playmakers Network, and I agree, just not to the same extent. Having a singular history of the league is not good for business, and it's not good for basketball at large. All I'm calling for is to keep conversation alive, and censorship doesn't promote conversation. In the past two or three years, internet kids and adults alike have learned a lot about the phrase fair use. And if you don't know what fair use is, it is basically the legal phrase which allows for copyrighted content to be used in some sort of creative or transformative way that does not replace the original copyrighted content but instead is built around it or changes it, is different in a non-substitute. That's really the only main concrete part of fair use, is that it's not a substitute for the content. So you can upload a full 90-minute film to YouTube that you pirated offline or whatever and try to make money off AdSense, but the content ID system is going to pick that up instantly and recognize that it's just a full-length movie and take it off their website and prevent you from getting any views or any money off of it. But if you make a commentary track around that film and people are coming to watch it, not instead to replace going to see the real film, but to hear the comedy or commentary, whatever it is that you're changing on top of the film, then that's fair use. YouTube's system allows for an abuse of fair use discretion because when a creator submits an appeal to a copyright claim, instead of going to a third party like YouTube, like someone else, it instead goes back to the person or party who claimed it. In this case, it would be the Playmakers Network. So when the Playmakers Network claims one of Dom's or Zach's videos, it is up to Zach or Dom to then appeal it 
and then have that appeal go back to playmakers, if this was really a little bit more just, it would probably go to a third party. Because it's in network's interest to make as much money as possible, and so they're going to keep the claim if they can. Another way this could have been avoided is if creators had the power when negotiating the terms with these monolithically large companies, and if they had somebody on their side letting them know what they're agreeing to, and maybe even negotiating those terms on their behalf, then perhaps creators might feel less suffocated if they didn't basically get sold on an idea which sounds almost too good to be true, because it kind of is. They don't exactly tell you that you're getting paid an exposure, but the, the truth is that they do. It's just built into the terms of the contract that you sign, the agreement that you make with the network, the written agreement. That's what counts. And if only there was a way for basketball creators at large to negotiate these agreements, to perhaps be a little bit more favorable and help protect creators from being abused like this. That is why I have decided to launch the Basketball Union of Creators for Keeping Entertainment Together, or Bucket. We want to keep basketball fun and keep basketball entertaining, and what's more entertaining than some good old-fashioned conversation? So come join the Bucket Discord, where we can congregate and have whatever conversations we like, as well as have serious conversations about how we can protect ourselves and negotiate fairer terms. In these situations, we want to be able to unionize and represent one another. So come join the Bucket Discord. If you aren't familiar with Discord, this isn't an ad for Discord. It is just a service that I actually use, which is very good for this sort of thing. It's on all platforms like iOS, PC, Android, whatever. And it's kind of like Slack, if you've ever heard of Slack. I will post a link to the Discord across all of my social medias and in every description of every episode of the Hustle Points podcast from here on out. Uh, because this one is a little bit different, I think I might call this Side Hustle. Um, I think that's... It's a cute, fun little name. And I, I am I'm serious about this union here. I, I believe it's a cause worth at least starting, a message worth at least spreading. And it wouldn't be the first creator's union of its kind. I didn't invent this concept. It might be the first basketball-oriented one, but it's not the first. So come join Bucket. We're going to have some great conversations in there. You can follow me on Twitter at NBA underscore Rudy to find that link or just find it in the description. Like I said, Instagram, all that, you know, honestly, this is a very taxing episode for me to make because I wanted to find a way to cover this in a way that felt fair and accurate. And if you really must know the discord link right away, it is discord.gg slash capital E capital P lowercase e, n, capital J, capital W, the number four. That is the link to the Discord, which is permanent and non-expiring. So if you have that capital E, capital P, e, n, capital J, capital W, the number four, at the end of discord.gg, then you have the permanent access to the Discord. It is not just for creators, but basketball appreciators alike. Anybody who cares about basketball is welcome to join the Bucket Union, or the Bucket Discord server, which is a union. But, um, yeah, yeah, be, um, be sure to join.
So thank you for listening. Be sure to tune in next episode where we are back to our fun and regularly scheduled content. So I hope you enjoyed this. Thank you for listening. Have a beautiful day and goodbye.